Oh Lord, pray for your peace, your peace to be through Joanna's words uh, into our hearts and into her heart. Pray that uh, you, you would take control uh, because we don't, we don't want to hear just human ideas. We want to hear your ideas. Thank you, Lord, for the truth that you have already spoken to Joanna and the truth that you're going to speak through the different ones of us who will share. Oh, Holy Spirit, come. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Peter. And thanks for emceeing, too. It's great. Yeah, good job, Peter. All right. So we are continuing with our series on our Vineyard Canada Fusion Statement, um, which, as I think most of you have heard or know, our, our own Gordy Lagore was a big part of co-authoring that document. And it is really rich. So for those of you who have been here continuously the past few weeks, you know that we're at, you know, paragraph three, and, uh, and that we've been really diving into each section. And if, the, if you would like to see the whole Fusion document, there is actually a copy of it available at the welcome table, if you would like to get a copy and take a look at it. It's also available on our Vineyard Canada website, which is vineyard.ca, if you would like to go and have a look at that. There's also on there tons of the fascinating history stuff that we were learning the last couple weeks. I couldn't believe how much I didn't know and have done some more reading, and it's great to hear um, our history and our heritage. Because for those of you who are like me, I did not grow up in the vineyard, and I came to the vineyard as an adult, from another very rich stream of faith. And it's great for me to know the history of my family. And the picture that God gave me when I was at a, a vineyard conference one time um, was that it was like a wedding. It was like when you got married, when you joined a new community of faith. And in much the same way, when I married my husband and we had to have conversations about things that you thought were just obvious. Like I remember the first year that we were married, we each said to each other, oh, we're do you do stockings in your family? Yeah, we do stockings in our family too. Okay, we'll do each other's stockings. This will be great. So I, oh, and I did say to him, I really like every single thing in my stocking to be wrapped. I love opening presents. So he was so faithful. He opened every single, he, he, he wrapped every single thing. And I opened the first thing, and it was a tin of oysters. And then I opened the next thing, and it was a slab of, like, great stinky cheese, which I love. And then I opened the next thing, and it was crackers. And I got to the end of it, and I went, oh, that was, that was neat. It was, it was all food. And he opened his, and he was like, there's no food in my stocking. You got me, like, you know a new earring from my piercing, and there was a CD, and there was some socks and some underwear, and I was like, yeah, because that's what goes in a stocking. And he was like, no, 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 food is what you put in a stocking. And we, since, so anyway, God bless him, he's the type of guy that next year called my mom and said, right, 
tell me about stockings in the Payne family. What do you do? There has to be a, there has to be a dime in the toe, right, Mace? You have to have a dime in the toe. You have to have a mandarin orange in the toe. And then you have to, you, we have all these little things. And so it's like that when, we're, when we join different communities, different worship communities and different communities of faith. And it's great to know and hear those stories. And if you're like me, it's one of those things where I love, I've been a part of the vineyard now for 15 years, and I love my vineyard family, and I love knowing what we do, but you know, I didn't always know why we did what we did, and when I'm reading things, I think, oh, yeah, that's right, and I've just started taking a class with the Vineyard Bible Institute, just getting a bit deeper with some of the theology, and I was getting pretty intimidated by some of the the big churchy words, and I was, I was saying this week to, to Peter and Gordy, you told me that I was going to be able to follow everything and that, that nothing was going to freak me out. The first, like point three of the first sentence is that they're going to teach me about uh, inaugurated, what was it? Enacted, inaugurated eschatology. What the heck are they talking about? So we broke it down and I said to Gordy, so they're just saying already not yet? He said, yeah, that's what already not yet means in scholarly language. So it's just great for us to dig in and to know why. So um, today's time, um, one of the things that we're going to try and do during our fall semester is the first Sunday of every month, we're going to try and leave room for some family stories to be interwoven with our teaching time. And because our topic today is about worship, we're going to hear from a couple of the people that often lead us in musical worship, but we don't necessarily get to hear their thoughts or stories or hearts a lot of the time. And also, uh, I'm really hoping that you guys are going to converse with me too, because that's how I've set it up. So I hope that you're feeling participatory today. So uh, before we continue with the next paragraph, can anyone remember anything of what Gordy talked about last week in the last paragraph? Pop quiz? It was about love. Collisions, does that ring a bell at all? Kingdom, kingdom of God, anything. Jesus, he talked about Jesus. How does that, does that help anybody? Just joking. Okay, so... He talked about how when the kingdom comes in, there's always a collision between light and darkness. And this is one of the things that we've been studying in our Vineyard Institute course this week, is that even back in the Old Testament, those, the, the, the story of the Exodus, the story of, of God coming to the people in Egypt, is all about the collision between light and darkness, and God breaking through, and the kingdom breaking through. And the, the last part of the paragraph that Gordy shared on last week talks about the life of Jesus, and it says this, Jesus' life, his life, demonstrated the relentless love of God. Everybody say relentless. Relentless. What does it mean if somebody's relentless? Doesn't give up, don't stop, never quits, keeps going. What were you saying, Roland? No? It was just for Dan? Okay, Dan will tell me later. Um, no, great. So, so he's, Jesus' life demonstrated the relentless love of God. So take that in for a second. We're here today to meet, to worship, and be in the presence of a God whose love for us never quits, never gives up. If you've ever read the Jesus Storybook Bible, 
It's an incredible children's Bible. And one of the things that the author weaves in is constantly throughout many, many stories, the author says this never stopping, never giving up, never quitting, all-consuming love that's written through every story in the Bible. And the paragraph we read last week said, this love reaches the most alienated parts of our lives. And this love is transforming us and is restoring us from our state of brokenness. And it is calling us into eternal life, a journey of relationship with God and others that begins now and continues forever. So all different kinds of ways to talk about the love of God. The love of God comes, it's transforming us, it's changing us, there's relationships. And so this week, what we're talking about is our response to that love. So as the vineyard, what we believe our response is meant to be, how we position ourselves as a church to respond to that never-stopping, never-ending, never-giving-up, relentless love. So if you don't mind putting up the next slide, Esther, we're going to look at this next paragraph here. And so we're going to read this all together to start with here. Let's read that now. Our response to this love is a commitment to come together in worship. To love God because he first loved us. This overflows in our everyday lives in a growing reality where all we do is an act of worship and where we learn to join God in his mission as Jesus did. We expect the Holy Spirit to distribute his gifts to us which will empower us to give witness to the good news. As such, our encounter with Jesus is ongoing as he continually reveals God to us by the Holy Spirit while teaching us what it means to be truly human as he was. So once again, that's like a smorgasbord of rich ideas. So don't bring that one up quite yet, please, Esther. So we'll keep it on that same paragraph. So there's just a whole bunch of huge rich ideas there. Um, but let's just do a little word association about around worship. You know word association, right? I say black, you say? I say cat, you say? Okay. Right. I say transubstantiation, you say? Okay, awesome. So, good. You're totally warmed up. This is great. Sorry, that's a Wade Pallister joke. I totally just took that one off of him. Okay, so, um, ready? Here we go. One, two, three. You're all ready? You're fired up? One, two, three. Worship. Okay, songs, heart, music, somebody else, prayer, sacrifice, love. Somebody from this side of the church. Say it again. Happiness. Worship. You think vulnerable. Holy Spirit. Opportunity longing. Man, that's it. We're done. I'm just going home. You're awesome. It's great. A couple of you said music and songs, but you guys are talking about exactly what this paragraph is all about, which is our hearts being vulnerable and open to the Holy Spirit, being ready and available, that it's a source of joy. So I'm going to read this again to you now. And I want to invite you to let the words wash over you. So we're going to do a little Lectio Divina with this, which just means 
contemplating this word. Usually it's contemplating a scripture. But I would like you, if especially if you have anything in your hands, just for right now, don't take notes or do anything with it right now. Just set that aside. If you need to, even close your eyes. And I want to read this. Oh, actually, no, if it's helpful for you to take notes, I'm okay with that, actually. Because I want you to be able to reflect back to all of us, to share with all of us in a minute, real standout words. So uh, as I'm reading this to you, we're going to ask that the Holy Spirit would take a spiritual highlighter pen and just highlight some words that are really key for you in this. So we'll just take a deep breath and you can ready yourself and ready myself. Our response to this never stopping, never giving up, always pursuing love is a commitment to come together in worship. To love God because he first loved us. This overflows into our everyday lives in a growing reality where all we do is an act of worship and where we learn to join God in his mission as Jesus did. We expect the Holy Spirit to distribute his gifts to us, which will empower us to give witness to the good news. As such, our encounter with Jesus is ongoing as he continually reveals God to us by the Holy Spirit while teaching us what it means to be truly human as he was. Our response to this love is a commitment to come together in worship, to love God because he first loved us. This overflows into our everyday lives in a growing reality where all we do is an act of worship and where we learn to join God in his mission, as Jesus did. We expect the Holy Spirit to distribute his gifts to us, which will empower us to give witness 
to the good news. As such, our encounter with Jesus is ongoing as he continually reveals God to us by the Holy Spirit while teaching us what it means to be truly human as he was. What were some standout words for you? Just go ahead and speak out phrases, speak out words that you felt were just highlighted to you as we read over that. Refiner's fire. Okay. Okay. All right. What were you going to say, Kenny? Come together. Come together. Karen, sorry, go ahead. Join God. Did you have a thought? Yeah? No? Okay. All we do. Commitment. Every day. Truly human overflows witness expect we expect the Holy Spirit to distribute gifts handing them out say it again growing reality that's a good one huh yeah growing reality anybody else ones that were just highlighted for them that haven't been said yet Join God. Join God. Or maybe if it was said, just affirm. If somebody else said one already that you, that, you, that you thought of, can you just repeat it again so we know there's a couple spots that... Truly human. That spoke to you too, Kenny. Yeah. Interesting. Okay, so a second person, just refiner's fire. Okay. So I'm going to ask, uh, just praying about who I'm asking first. I'm going to ask Lynn to come and share a little bit. I, I sent her this paragraph earlier in the week and just asked her as a worship leader to just share with us a couple thoughts about um, what what this means to her, what resonated with her as a worship leader. So you can use that mic there just in case I have any questions for you. Yeah, as long as I don't close feedback. I had a mental week. So it's nice to take a big, deep breath of fresh air. And Mark asked me last night as we sat and looked at this, um, and really it was last night before I had a chance to do anything, um, he said, what does worship mean to you? And I was telling Joanna earlier in prayer. Um, for me, worship is if you're, in a, uh, if you're in a musty cave and the air's not great and you walk out of there and you take a lungful of fresh air and you just go and you feel like 400% better. I, I think that's what worship really means to me um, yeah I grew up in the Anglican church went to church every Sunday went to Sunday school went to girls brigade 
which for those of you who live in Ireland and England is a kind of a, I don't know, kind of. Girl Guides for the Church. It's like Girl Guides for the Church, yeah. Yeah, it's very hard to explain. Um, but it was good. Um, when I went to school, secondary school, um, at 13, I went to the Scripture Union and I had an encounter with Jesus and I gave my life to God. And then I joined a, a small group called Ichthus and we used to sing in the Anglican churches and do worship there uh, one Sunday a month. Uh, and I did that till I was 17 or 18. So I've been playing guitar in front of church since I was 14. So that's um, a really long time now. <laughs> and uh, then I went to college and when I was 24, uh, my good friends Ronan and Pippa invited me to go to uh, an evening of praise and worship run by uh, a community in Ireland called Emmaus Community. Now, Ireland is 95% Catholic, and um, uh, uh, there's um, a lot of communities in Ireland, and they're, uh, they vary wildly. And this was a, a lay community. So for those of you who don't know the jargon, that basically means it wasn't run by priests or nuns. It was run by uh, parishioners. In this case, Emmaus was a about a 50-50 split of Catholics and Protestants. Now, this was 1993, so it's still two years before the Good Friday Agreement, and the community had been going about 10 years at that point. So what they were really was a kind of a prophetic statement of um, community at a time when really there weren't that many uh, Protestants and Catholics doing too much together. I mean, it's really hard to explain to Canadians, but imagine, if you will, that your surname defines your religion, Right? Anyone with an O in front of their name, you're Catholic. Now, my surname's O'Hara, so that never applied to me. But um, generally speaking, uh, yeah. And, uh, and that also defined... You could be in college before you hung out with a Catholic, if you were Protestant. Everything is self-contained. The schools are all run by the churches. So you go to the Protestant school or the Catholic school. Right the way through as far as university. And the sports you do are defined by being Catholic or Protestant. If you're Protestant, you play rugby, soccer, or field hockey, or cricket. If you're Catholic, you play Gaelic football or hurling. No question. By the way, hurling's kind of insane. H-U-R-L-I-N-G. It's only played in Ireland. If you want to look it up, it's the most mental sport in the world. It's like hardcore lacrosse, Mark says except way more mental than lacrosse. Anyway, the point is is that um, people don't meet, not really, um, except maybe your neighbors, but people tend to live in community together, so you do tend to live on a street with a whole bunch of other prods, and you do tend to live on a street with a whole bunch of other Catholics, um, especially in Belfast, even more um, disparate there, contained. Uh, Dublin's not as bad, but Belfast, definitely, yeah, Belfast, and, um, and Derry. Anyway, Emmaus, um, a, a worshipping community. And I moved into community house, which they had four of. And so I lived in a house with three other girls. and It was just a rental. We would start the morning with prayer. So even if you didn't have anything to do in the, in the day until 9 or 10 or 11 a.m., um, tough, you got up for prayer at half past six in the morning, which was when the first person had to leave the house and everyone started the day with prayer together. And um, out of the community came a, a worship band, 
which turned into a traveling band of musicians, and I ended up in that when I was 97. And we toured all over the world for about three years and brought out uh, somewhere in the region of 17 or 18 albums during our time. And, um, and I think it gave me a tremendous grounding in, in that side of living your day for God, even if you just went to a normal job, which I was doing, you got up and you had prayer, and when you came home, there were prayer, and then and before you went to bed, there was prayer. And it was as natural as breathing. For four or five years of my life, it was just the way it was. And, um, and I, I, I think it was a like, profoundly good time in my life. I still look back on that year of 94 as one of the best years of my life, apart from meeting Mark. I'm going to be PC here. <laughs> um, Worship, obviously, theologically, means every aspect of your life. But for me, personally, it's always meant music. Um, and I, uh, I feel like I'm kind of coming out of a, a bubble now. I mean, this is the first time in five years that, well, there was a short break, I suppose, after Saoirse turned two. But... Basically, Saoirse's five now, and Amy's two, and Amy's just started going down to preschool. And, and I can sit in and listen to a whole sermon without someone tugging at me. It's quite amazing. And, um, and uh, I feel like uh, I'm getting more sleep, and I'm able to get back into a kind of a groove of worshipping God again that I don't know that I was particularly able for for the last... I feel like I was on... Um, what's, what was it you said to me once? It was on... Um, it's kind of like damage control. You know, you just, yeah. you're just so tired it's all the time. Just triage all the time. Yeah. 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 You, you just... Yeah. yeah. It's a day-by-day -day thing when you've yeah. got young kids who don't sleep. Yeah. Pretty much averaged two straight hours of sleep for five years now. So uh, maybe three at the most. My kids don't sleep very well. And, uh, and Saoirse's noisy about it, so she'll wake the whole house up at 3 o'clock in the morning. There's no question. Um, so can I ask a question? Yes. So out of this that we were just reflecting on and taking a deep breath, I really like what you just said about that foundation and feeling like God gave you that foundation in your life through that, those, that year, those years at Emmaus. Mm. Where do you see, you say coming out of a bubble now, where do you see the, what phrases here do you think are coming back to you or bubbling back up again? What do you think, or what do you hope I suppose was, is coming I back? hope for the second sentence, this overflows into our everyday lives mm -hmm. in a growing reality where all we do is an act of worship and where we learn to join God in his mission. I suppose my, I would strive for a life where the things that I do are, are, worshipful to God mm -hmm. and I don't usually achieve that mm -hmm. <laughs> um, I I think music is amazing I think it calms me down we're trying to teach our girls music we um, I, I don't know where I'm really going with this I don't want to waffle um, for me as a worship leader um, my understanding of worship, and talked briefly to Jerry about this earlier, my understanding of worship is that we come into this place carrying whatever on our backs mentally. 
and we make a choice to put that down and visually put it away from ourselves. And it is not my responsibility as a worship leader to drag you kicking and screaming into the presence of God. <laughs> it is my responsibility, hopefully, prayerfully, to have picked songs that speak to your hearts, but that is still your choice. Mm -hmm. And so I encourage everyone here to come into worship on a Sunday, despite all the distractions of our service, and choose to really focus on God because it's an opportunity for you and I can't make you do that. Yeah. That's it. Thank you, Lynn. Awesome. Really appreciate your sharing. Thank you. That's great. Thank you. And I would love at the end at our ministry time, I think Lynn is uh, Lynn's going to be singing and ministering, but, um, but maybe just if you can get your, if you're getting your communion first, can I just ask a couple people to just pray with her and be on it and aware because I think there's really something in her being one of our key worship leaders and her feeling this bubbling up and feeling this expectation that God is starting to do more in her because if she's leading us in that that can only translate to us right in that overflowing so I just love to see that happen so if we can just grab that that would be great just to pray that in and um, I've asked Stephen also to come and share as well so if you would come Stephen you have two surrogate dads there who watch that beautiful sleeping girl on the bench. Make sure she doesn't roll. Right. Great. Thanks. Thanks. For coming. So, um, yeah, as I was reading through this uh, paragraph earlier this week, you know, all I could say was, yeah, that's right. Totally agree. <laughs> end, of, end of my sharing. <laughs> no, but uh, there, there were three things, actually. I was thinking specifically how this applied you know, kind of spoke in my life. Um, and maybe you can help me out because I'm still formulating what I'm going to be sharing <laughs> as, as I'm up here. But three things is um, giving my all, right? Three points. Giving my all, what's my job, and what's my current challenge? So you help me remember those three things, then I probably can get through this. So what's my job? Or no, giving my all. So I've, I've learned over the years as a worship leader, it's really important for me, uh, particularly up, you know, in front of a congregation, is to really be in that place where I have, I give my all, uh, give my all to God. And, um, you know, some days it's very powerful in which I feel like I have a lot to give. And other days it feels very, very small. Right? I was... Wade and I were kind of chit-chatting a little bit in terms of on a Sunday morning, you're minding your kids, you've got lots going on, your wife's doing her stuff, and you feel like you've got very little to offer up. But, you know, our job, my job as well, when I'm leading worship, our job as coming in community is very much what Lynn shared. Our job is to come before God and give him all that we have, yeah. as much or as little as it is. Yeah. And um, God honors that, you know. And it doesn't, it isn't just about uh, singing the songs and, you know, I mean, that's obviously a big part of my life, singing the praises, but even in the littlest of things, in the day-to-day, -day, uh, I've learned that what I do in leading worship in front of folks is very much a reflection of my day-to-day. -day. 
And so some of the challenges as a father, a married man with three young kids is that um, it's a little bit harder to feel like I'm giving my all because you're giving your all or a lot of yourself to so many different things now. It was a lot easier for me when I was single, you know, to spend three hours on the couch with my guitar or, you know, just hanging out with God to feel really in tune or close to what God was doing or God's heart. It's a little different now. But with that said, I often have to ask myself, well, am I giving my all? Knowing that if I am, then it doesn't really matter how I feel, right? It's all about me being faithful to do my job in terms of giving my all to him. So that's really what this particular paragraph reminded me about in terms of my life. And, and it was a good reminder because I'll be honest, you know, there are days where you just feel like you don't really have much to give and how could this piddly amount of bread and, or loaves of bread and little fish do anything? And yet God is so faithful because he sees our hearts and he's so pleased when we are able to come to that place so of wanting to give our all to him. Thank you. Uh, challenge. So the challenge looks very different in terms of what my all looks like these days, you know. And just being uh, trusting yeah. that God is, God is going to honor that, honor what I give, as little as it feels. Yeah. Thank you. Welcome. Perfect. Okay. Awesome. That's great. Questions? <laughs> no, I... I um... I mean, I guess the only question that I was going to... No, that's okay. I have a question, but I'm going to ask it for everybody okay. uh, based on what you just shared. And then feel free to ch- share back if you want. Okay. Thank you very much. That's excellent. Yeah. So, so what I'm hearing from, from Stephen and from Lynn, and, and I would agree with this in my own life, is that worship is a choice, right? Worship is a choice that we make. And so that's why this first paragraph that says our response to this never-ending, all-consuming, all-pursuing love of Jesus, our response to that is to make a commitment. And commitment inherent in that word is a, is a choice. And so I, I am sure that because we are truly human, if you're like me, there could be lots of stories of times where we didn't worship with all of our lives. But what I'd love to know from you, Stephen or Lynn or anybody, is can you, do you have like you know, just a quick, even one sentence thing of a time where you guys lately, where God has tapped you at the right moment, or you have gone, okay, I am going to appreciate this moment, or I am going to choose to worship, not so much singing with a guitar, but in my everyday life. Is there anybody that has a recent memory of sometime when that happened that they would be willing to share with us? You can share. Here, do you mind coming to the mic just for our, for our podcast? Thank you. If not, I can just... This person just said blah, blah, blah. But Great. So Aldona's just going to come. So at work... I'm not one for being... I'm not shy when I'm talking to people. I know. Okay, I know. Okay. It's okay. Thanks. Um, I can relate to the whole parent thing. And 
the busyness and sometimes you feel like you're not giving at all because you've just been, your blood's just been sucked right out of you. And, uh, but it's all relative. And um, I'm, I'm at a season now where after raising my, my, my daughter's 30 and my son is 11, and um, I raised them on my own. And this is the very first time in 11 years where I can actually leave Jacob at home for an hour and go grocery shopping. I've never been able to ever, ever, ever not even go get a coffee by myself. He was always with me <clears throat> because I didn't have any backup or family here and stuff. So he was cargo all the time. And at work, I have 12 women, and, and they're all single parents, and they're all babies, two weeks old, three months old. They stay with us to 18 months postpartum. And I see their tears and their frustration, and they're begged, and they're hagged, and they're tired, and they're poor, and, you know, they're frustrated, and they're lonely. And at one, sometimes it's about strengthening them, and then there's a balance between compassion Last night I was really tired, and this girl, this one mom, was just really, really getting on my nerves. And um, I was about to give her their lecture, look, you know, pull up your bootstraps and ride that Palomino because nobody's going to do it for you. Right? <laughs> yeah. Which is kind of a line I use a lot, and, and it's effective. But in this particular case, God tapped me on the shoulder, and he had me remember this woman who came and knocked on my door one time when Jacob was teething. And she offered, and I knew her, she was a neighbor, and she offered to sit in my, um, offered to take Jacob in his carriage for an hour so I can have a bath mm. without interruption because I was about to lose my mind. And... So, so having that memory, it, it was like I could give a little bit more to this woman, you know. I, I, I could, I could hold her baby while she puts the laundry, her laundry in. It was like three thirty this morning, and I was really tired. And they have to learn how to do this themselves. But I was able to give a lot, little bit more than what I thought I could at the time. And sometimes I feel like that when I come to church because I get home at 7 in the morning on Sundays and I sleep till 9, so I, I only sleep two hours. And, you know, I feel like sometimes I could do more, work with the kids, but I'm going, I don't know if that's really dangerous or not, you know, <laughs> for them, right? right? But like Stephen, I come to that. I just come to that place that I know when I'm giving all I've got, right. even if it seems like nothing, and I'm the one that knows when I'm not doing my best, and I depend on the Holy Spirit to convict me. Yeah, thank you so much. Awesome, awesome. So, what did you hear in Aldona's story that's in that paragraph there then? What did you hear that came out there? Yeah. So she could love because she had experienced somebody else's love for her. Somebody else, something that you heard from I, any of the stories that we've just heard 
that is in this paragraph here. Yeah, so, yes. So this says that, that it's not that we're, we're witnessing and sharing the good news out of our own might and muster. It's that God gives us those gifts so that we can do that thing. Because it's, we just happen to have three parents speak this morning, but people here who don't have kids. Man, I struggled with this before I had kids. Like, it's not just an exclusive to parenting small children. It's all of our lives, right? I'm sure you can agree, all of us, because we're truly human. Somebody else, something you heard, yeah, Mark? Love is a choice, yeah. And in that way, worship is an act of love. Yeah. And yeah. And so what about the choice for those of us who come here pretty much every week and we work together to create this time for each other and ultimately we hope for Jesus? Does this... How, do, how does this reflect? How, do, how does this shine on what we, what we do? Because I'm sure all of us would love to sleep in. You know, I'm sure there's days where it would be easier to not do church together. So what about this commitment to come together, to worship? Does it reframe it for you to think about it not being a duty, but us doing it out of a response to Jesus? Talk to me about that. Anybody? Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's more so now of a thing where, you know, people with kids do get now an opportunity to worship God by showing your love and compassion from Him through you to your family. Mm-hmm. Or even if you don't have you know, kids like myself, like yeah. I get to go out and, you know. Like last night when I was sick and I was trying to print my sermon notes and I heard you upstairs help getting the kids to clear the table and do the dishes so that I didn't have to do it. Yeah, that was a good one. Yeah. Yeah. So that was Mason just sharing, for those of you who listened to the podcast, about how he, his idea of worshiping all the time in daily life has just changed from not just being something singing but something that you can do and that, you show, that we show our love to each other through this commitment. Others, thoughts of you, how does this reflect on what we, what we do here every week, why we come together in community? Why, what does that have to do with responding to the love that God has for us? Miss Rose has something. So, um, for me, getting to church can be a big deal because of my head injury, and I lay in the nursery, and my wonderful husband hooked up a speaker so I could actually listen this morning. And so while I was back there, I felt like the God, when Lynn was speaking, I felt like it was not just for parents, but it's for every one of us. And I just saw, you know, if we're very young and we start depositing money into a retirement account 
when we're 15 or 20 years old. And we do this our entire life. By the time we're 60, we can retire a millionaire. Mm -hmm. But if we start our deposit later in life, that retirement is that much more difficult. It will come later in life for us. And I felt like worship is... God is that exponential God, and as we invest in him, then we reap bountifully, and we don't necessarily have to invest our entire lives, but every investment that we make Mm -hmm. of our heart and our mind Mm -hmm. in tune with him, not only do we reap that benefit, um, that blessing, but we then can withdraw from our our deposits to bless other people. Yeah. And I really saw that, and particularly for parenting, because we feel like we have nothing to give, and we give, you know, um, our might, that little tiny bit that we have, and we feel like we're putting in the trenches and and going and going and going, and we're investing in future generations. Mm-hmm for the Lord. And we may never fully see that, but no, God holds that so dear to his heart. Mm. It's something so precious to him that we have taken the time to, to bless our children, to invest in our children. And for those of us who don't have children, think of that as your spiritual children, that where you've invested in people like the women at work, like Aldona was saying, or people in our lives at work who we, who we, we take the time to bless them. They don't know what it is and what our motivation is, but we know. Mm-hmm. And God will use that exponentially mm-hmm. in other lives. Yeah, thank you, Rose. And I think that that really ties in to why we bother to come together. Yeah, wait on. That was, you're getting clapped for that, Rose. Thank you, Rose. And I think that ties into why we come together. Because yes, it's a bit easier to see in the natural with, with, with parents in the natural. But I think that's why we bother to come together. We come because we need each other. We're better together than we are by ourselves. And that all of you are contributing, not just into my children's life, but into my life. That you encourage me and you bless me. I'm a different person now than I was 15 years ago when I started coming to the vineyard. I never thought I'd be a pastor. Never. Never. It just was beyond me. But it's because of who you guys have been to us. And those of you who've journeyed with us for a long time, you've walked with us through some really hard seasons. Really hard seasons. Seasons where we weren't here or where we couldn't give. We went through a season after Wade's dad died where we just had to step down from everything. Where we couldn't preach. We couldn't give. All we did was show up and cry for about a year. And it's because of who you are and what you've given into us and that investment, and how it flows out in our everyday lives. We all worship something, somebody said, whether we realize it or not. Did you have a hand up, Jerry? Yeah? What do you want to say, bud? Yes. Do you, because we're heading toward communion... Is it something that would be possible for it to be uh, like a one or two minute perspective as opposed to a five to ten minute perspective? Excellent. Okay. I need some help. Okay. 
It's just the way I sometimes break down worship, and I'm just going to look at thanksgiving. And the way I look at thanksgiving is... Um, why don't you come over here? <laughs> Micah, come. Micah. For those of you who are listening online, Jerry's now brought Micah and Mason up to the front of the stage. They don't Micah have any idea of what's going on. Has just given me $20. Excellent. What is the right thing to do? Thank you so much, Micah. Thank you. I really needed that money. I didn't have the money I needed to buy you lunch. Um, so thank you. And that's what we do. We say thank you to yeah. the giver. Yeah. And that is Thanksgiving. Yeah. But another way of thanking is I've got to tell you about this guy. He is absolutely fantastic. Just when I needed $20, he gave it to me. He's an awesome guy. He's smart. He dresses well. He's generous. He's absolutely awesome. That is evangelism. Yeah. But that is also Thanksgiving. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. That's very good. Thank you. That's great. That's absolutely right. And for me, one of the key things that's really changed, and I know I mention it every time I talk, but um, I've been so impacted by a writer named Anne Boskamp who wrote a book called 1,000 Gifts, simply starting by a, with a challenge to thank God for three things every day, 1,000 gifts, to count 1,000 gifts in a year. And it's profound because one of the things that she says is that we cannot have two emotions going on at the same time and that you have to practice it the same way that we teach a child to say, say please, say thank you, and they go, thank you, thank you, can I have my cookie now? That there are times where we don't feel it at all. Worship is not a feeling. Worship is not a feeling. Worship is a choice, and we choose to worship. The Psalms say we enter God's gates with thanksgiving. We come into his presence with thanksgiving. We come into his courts with praise. And it, you're right, Jerry, that when we are full, that overflowing, that overflowing, it's only going to result in a witness. People can't help but wonder and ask and see the fruit of that in our lives. You know, I think of day-to-day -day examples of people who I've seen do this, and it truly has come through thankfulness. Being in a camp where I was with this camp leader who I just thought unending grace and patience, and she looked at all these pots and pans and said, I love washing those dishes. Look how many people we fed today. Do you know how many people there are in the world who had nothing to eat today? And when I scrub pots, I pray for people, because this is what Jesus did for me, man. He scrubbed out this muck. He scrubbed out this stuff in me. Every dish here is somebody that we fed. How many places are there in the world today where nobody ate? Look at all the people who ate here today. On my best days, I remember that. Or the legend of Joy Dawson, who when I met her, she's an incredible woman in the faith. And I met her as my buddy's grandma, who wanted to pray for the outreach team. And all of a sudden, before the prayer, her eyes started to hurt and smart, and she took her eye drops, and she started to put them in her eyes. And as she did, she started to worship God and said, thank you, Jesus, for my vision. Thank you for my eyesight. Thank you, Lord, that you've given me my eyes. Thank you that I've just, I'm able to see so much. And she just worshiped, and I went, whoa, there's something really different about this woman. There's something really different about this woman. So 
Let's see if we can do this now. We need to move on. How well can we fill in the blanks? We've looked at this for a really long time. Esther, can you show the next slide? Our response to this love is a commitment to come together in worship, to worship God because he first loved us, right? This overflows into our everyday lives in a growing reality where all we do, everything we do, I'm losing back and forth, where everything we do is an act of worship and we learn to join God in his mission as Jesus did. We, unlike the golden sequence, which Monica said to me, I don't like saying unexpected guest because we do expect the Holy Spirit to come. So we, I just gave you the answer, expect the Holy Spirit to distribute his gifts to us, which will empower us to give witness to the good news. And as such, our encounter with Jesus is, yes, ongoing, Anna ongoing, as he continually reveals God to us by the Holy Spirit while teaching us what it means to be truly human, as he was. I want you to do something cheesy for me. I want you to turn around, and I want you to just look at each other, Okay? Just look at each other. These are the people that right now in this community, you've made a commitment to come together and worship for better or for worse. For better or for worse. And some Sundays it feels harder than others, doesn't it? But what we're going to do now is we're going to have communion together. What does communion mean? Right? Coming together, joining together, being together. Communion with God and with each other. And there is something about the fact that we share one loaf, right? One body. And we share one cup. Although for health purposes, some of you will get small glasses, and we'll explain that in a minute. But we share one cup. And there's a, there's a similarity to that word, right? Commitment and community. And we are committed to each other in this community in a way that I really appreciate You guys sustain me, really sustain me, and you have made me a better person because of the love that I've experienced from you. So, thank you, my friend. Man, you just endlessly encourage me all the time, Kim. All the time. All the time. Anybody have just a final thing that they're just like, man, I'm just dying to share this thing. Yes, Dan, Pontelti. Yeah, yeah. And Rick, why don't you go ahead and come up and get ready for communion while Dan comes to share. I was just waiting for you to say, I was was hoping that somebody else would say, you know, I've got something to share because I do. So when I was first a, a Christian or started to walk the Christian walk in Victoria, I went to this church, and my friends were like long-haired, kind of jesus people kind of, you know, those kind of people. And, uh, and I was one of those people, too. And anyway, so we went to this rather conservative church, and I thought, what I'm going to do is just seek out somebody that I thought looked like they were walking the Christian walk. And so... Um, uh, I saw this guy, and he was, I don't know, he must have been 90-something, and he had these shining eyes, you know. So I sought this guy out, and I, I made my way over to him, and I said um, something about, I'm just starting to walk the Christian walk, 
you know, how do, you, how do I do this? What's the, what's the greatest thing that you've ever done in your life to uh, facilitate this, um, you know, this walk? And he looks at me and he says, well, the more you give him, the more you get him. And, and that was it, you know. And so, anyway, I, I've thought about that many times. And it, theologically, I, I, it stands up. But it's not just a, a selfish, consumeristic thing. Like, I just, I want more of something. So that's the only reason I'm, I'm giving him. No, I'm just saying it's a reciprocal thing. Yeah. Like, you give Jesus, you get Jesus. And that's church. And that's what I think about church. Thanks. Thank you, Dan. Amen. Awesome. So as we go to communion, I'm going to leave you with these questions for reflection by yourself or in your small groups. They're on the back of the bulletin today, too. If you didn't get a bulletin, please feel free to grab one so you can take it home and think about it. So first question, personally, where in your daily life are you experiencing or not experiencing worship as an ongoing reality? And be more specific than everywhere. <laughs> I'm not experiencing anywhere. Be specific with yourself and with each other because that's really helpful to just do one thing. Just one thing. Even if it's just I'm going to worship every time I have to do the dishes. Right? Just that simple thing. In community, what makes it hard to choose to come together as a church community to worship? And what do you appreciate most about coming together as a church community to worship? That's a great one if you're in a small group to unpack together. And culture, right? We all worship something. And we live in a culture that worships so many other things other than Jesus. What is it that you are most tempted to worship other than Jesus? And I know for me often it's a false sense of security. It's a sense that everything's going to be okay. It's my own control, my own lack of control. You know, an idea about what my house should look like or what my kids should look like or should, should, should. But when I put my eyes back on Jesus, it all comes together. So we're going to come together around the Lord's Supper now. And uh, we're going to receive it here at the front today. And uh, if you can come out of the center aisles, just making room for each other, and then go back to your seats through that aisle. And uh, we do have um, a a gluten-free option. But please let the communion servers serve you. Because part of communion is being served by someone in our community. We give Jesus to each other. It's important that we not just take it, but that we receive it. So today, when Kenny and Rick, um, when they come to you and, and give to you the elements representing the body and representing the blood, take a minute to look at them because they're saying something to you. Kenny says, not too long. Brief eye contact with Kenny. This will be a good exercise for you, right? But as you give to each person, you're not just saying, ah, oh, there's some bread, or some bread, or some bread, right? No. We say, this is the body of Christ that's broken for you, right? And we do this in remembrance of him. We come together because we can't do it alone. So let's pray together over this communion time. And... Um, if nobody has gone to get the preschool or intermediate kids yet, could you guys think the primaries have come up on their own? Can you make sure that they come back? Thank you so much. Lord, I thank you for placing us in community with each other and for being community in the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, constantly demonstrating interdependence with 
yourself, God's self. Would you bless these elements, this, this bread and this grape juice, representing your body and your blood, so that we may know you more deeply and that we may receive you today in us in a fresh new way so that we can understand better how to worship you and how to love you. Thank you that you are fully God and you are still, Lord Jesus, fully man and that you understand us in every way, especially in our weakness. We thank you for this time together and we pray that you would continue to transform us by your gifts which we expect, by your ongoing grace that would overflow in worship in our daily lives today. So as you did, Lord Jesus, on the night before you died, you took the bread and you gave thanks. He gave thanks. Knowing he was about to die, he gave thanks and broke it and said, this is my body which was given for you. Do this in memory of me. And in the same way after supper, he took the cup And again, he gave you thanks and praise and said, this is my blood shed for the new covenant, shed for all men. Do this in remembrance of me. So as you asked us today, Lord Jesus, we do this in remembrance of you. Is there anything I've forgotten for instructions? Um, If anyone would like communion brought to them, if they could put their hands up, and then we'll be sure to do that. Thank you. And I would like um, Lynn to be able to receive first today, and then if I could have a couple people pray with her just for what she shared about feeling like she was on the edge of this breakthrough, the edge of this bubble bubble coming up. And then please just encourage you to pray for anybody else that has prayed together. So come, come and take and eat, for the Lord is good.